We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bellant. All right, man. Welcome back to the Brave Co. Podcast. This week, I'm here with my man, Tim. What's up, guys? Timothy Ramirez. And uh, we're going to talk about depression. We're also going to talk about hope in there. And uh, this podcast is a lot um, based upon some counseling that I've been doing recently. And also just where men are at today. And so I'm excited to to dive into this. Yeah, me too. I think this is going to help out a lot of guys and also kind of give awareness too because i think some guys may not know they're depressed yeah well that's a really good point right because i feel like a lot of times i mean i can't over the years right i mean i've been in the counseling world for 20 years Mm -hmm. just about 20 years and so many men come in and don't understand what's going on with them and actually Mm -hmm. when i think about it okay let me rewind yeah because there was a time in 2000 uh, 16 and 17 when I didn't realize I was depressed. Wow. Yeah. Which I'm just, I'm literally like, that wasn't, a, I'm literally yeah. just remembering that. Right. I um, was working at the church and had taken a new position at the church, I think in 2015 okay. and realized like, man, I hated it. I didn't like it at all. And I had spent a couple of years also kind of working through some anxiety that we've talked about like a yeah. million times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So like I, I switched out of the school of ministry and in one position I was helping to oversee our school of ministry, which is basically like our Bible college that mm-hmm. tons of students come to. So first year I was helping to oversee that. Mm-hmm. And I moved out of that position and moved into pastoral care overseer. Mm-hmm. Well, the pastoral care overseer role was basically just me. So I didn't really have a team, you know, so I went from like having this team of like, I don't know, 20 or so mm-hmm. at the school and we all joke around and you come in, hang out with everyone. And then you have all these students that come in every day. Right. And so like yeah. you're around all these students and around your team. And then I'd been there for 10 years. So mm-hmm. you just have like rhythm at work and, and rhythm with the job. And then I came into this new role and literally it was just like, I look around, I was like crickets. It's just me. <laughs> And I didn't realize how much I would hate that. Not having a team, Mm. not having the normal conversations. But I think more importantly, I didn't love my role at work. And then on top of that, I think dealing with the anxiety. So like work at one point was kind of this, not even an escape in a bad sense, Cause you know, I had to go to work, but like my work was so fun when I was at school of ministry that it kind of made up for like my inner world. Right. But then when I got to this other position, I just found like, dude, I am dying. And then I got into this spot in, in, at the church when I was, um, pastoral care overseer, especially at first where. I hate being in meetings. So that's 
And that's really no secret. <laughs> right. I hate sitting in meetings. Right. I hate it. If I, it's like, I go back to like, I'm in English, right? Like I'm yeah. in like ninth grade English class. Yeah. Can I say something for you? Yeah, you can. Yeah. In our, in our meetings, you got a little treadmill going because you can't just, <laughs> you're like, I got to do something. I got I yeah. literally have a treadmill that I get on. So we do a lot of our meetings over Zoom and I'm in so many meetings right now, especially over Zoom because our team spread out and then. Also, COVID changed the landscape, right? right? And so, yeah, I realized, man, I'm sitting like six hours a day. Right. And my butt hurts. Right. So I do a lot of meetings from the channel. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I just switched into this mode at this, when I took that new position, it was like, I'm in all these meetings that I, that I like don't want to be in, mm-hmm. solving problems that I don't want to solve. And, mm-hmm. and then I'm doing it all alone and, and just realized like, I didn't feel like going into work. I didn't feel like doing anything. And the problem isn't just like that. I didn't feel like doing anything. I think more importantly, like I felt like I was drowning Mm. and I ended up going to, um, my counselor, Mm. uh, one of my counselors, I should say, because I always talk about Margaret on here. Big shout out to Margaret, (laughs) but, um, another really incredible woman that I've seen for a long time. Her name's Cheryl. And Cheryl's just been a godsend. So she's, she's the lady that met with my daughter when my daughter was young Mm -hmm. and really like saved her life is child play therapy, which I thought child play therapy. When I first heard child play therapy, I thought it was the biggest joke in the world. (laughs) I was like, I'm not sending my, I'm not sending my daughter to a child play therapist to freaking go and play. Like I I need her to get well. Like I need some work to get done. Right. Yeah. I was so dumb. (laughs) Anyways, I guess what I'm saying with that is child play therapy is legit. Right. For those people who have young kids, incredible. So I went and saw my daughter's therapist because she was so motherly, you know, she was just really incredible. And I, and so I sat down with her and was talking with her and she goes, I think you're depressed. Hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. What was that? Like, well, I mean the symptoms of depression, we should go over those. Yeah. And I won't nail all of them just off the top of my head, but I'll get a lot of them is like demotivated. You don't want to get out of bed in the morning. You wake up in the morning. You're just like, it's not even like, like sometimes you wake up and you're like, I just want to sleep in because it's warm. Right. Like when you're depressed or moving into depression, you just, it's like you can't get yourself out of bed. Hmm. You just lay there and just like things that you used to love to do, you don't really care about anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I love fishing. The day when I go like, I don't even want to go fishing. Like you better rush me to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> you, right. you know what I mean? Something's right. wrong. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> you want to isolate yourself. So people who are depressed are like, nah, I'll just sit in the closet all day. You know, I don't want to be around people. And that can be because of social anxiety, but a lot of times people just have, they're just depressed. They don't want to see anybody. They don't want to, you know, you don't, don't feel motivated to, and it's because you're not feeling super good about yourself, you know, and good about your circumstances and then lots of dread. So there's also dread involved with depression. It's like, I don't want to go to work and I don't want to show up to this thing. And so your whole world becomes like your whole entire life becomes this place of just like, burden yeah Yeah. everything's a burden and so when she started laying that out to me she was like jay like you know 
you're, you're not wanting to get out of bed. You don't want to come to work. Mm-hmm. When you're at work, you feel tons of anxiety. You don't feel like you have purpose. So that'd be another big indicator, right? I don't, what am I doing? Right. Why am I here? What is my life? And anyways, like I had to make some big life changes and big life shifts. But the biggest piece for me there was recognizing it. Mm-hmm. Once yeah. I was able to recognize it and go like, dude, I feel like my life sucks. I don't like where I'm at. Right. Um, I can make some changes. And recently I've been working with someone, uh, a guy, which I will not say his name and mm-hmm. won't even hint at who it is. It's, it's, it's not me. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like five, nine. <laughs> yeah. His name rhymes with him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not you though. <laughs> But I've been meeting with this guy and gosh, I just love him so much. Like he's one of the, he's honestly, he's one of the best men I know. Mm. And I just love him so, so dearly. But he's been struggling with depression for a long time, really, really long time. And I've been on this, just on this path to help him get out of it and climb out of it. And I, I think, you know, so many people deal with depression, men especially, well, I should say not just men. I actually think statistically more women struggle with depression than men, mm-hmm. right? We just looked that up right. this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but depression affects so many people, right? And they get to this place where you just don't feel like you can get out from underneath it, mm-hmm. which then once you get to the place where you don't feel like you can get out from underneath it, now you've entered a whole new level of depression because you're hopeless. Yeah. And you're in this spot where I don't know if this is ever going to end. So when I first met with him, he was in that spot of like, I've been this way for so long. Um, He's borderline suicidal. Mm. And which is just a tough place to be because you stay in this place of depression for so long. Right. That, that again, like depression, you're in this place where it doesn't feel like I'm going anywhere. I don't know. You know, I don't know how to get out of it. What's the purpose of my life? I feel like sleeping all day long. And when you act out on those things, right? Like, so when you don't get out of bed Mm -hmm. and when you don't go meet with people and when you don't do things to accomplish stuff, pretty soon you have nothing to look forward to. You've, you haven't accomplished anything of value and you haven't moved. Right. So you're not like physically active, things like that. So you're not releasing uh, dopamine in your brain. You're not sweating. You're not doing anything like that. Right which just compounds yeah. what's actually happening. And, but last time I was talking to him, we had this really interesting conversation. And and that's what I love about counseling is like when people come in, I don't have, I don't have anything in my mind. I don't have like, here's the four steps for, right. here's my cookie cutter way of going from not being depressed to, I just don't. And so a lot of it is listening to where they're at in the conversation and then, like, oh, let's break that apart. How did you get here? And, and okay, how are we going to get out of this? And, and one of the things that him and I talked about this last time was these pathways. There's, there's basically two different pathways in life that we have. And I'm sure someone could come in and go like, no, there's nine different pathways to life. But to make it really simple, and I, I draw stuff out a lot when I'm doing counseling as well, because it helps to see what I'm talking about. So if I had a whiteboard here, I would draw two different lines 
and one going down and one like a like a like a sideways v you know and the the first one the uphill is like hope okay right and then the only other one is like this depressed fear-based life and that's basically where people live like you live in this and think about your life it's not sometimes it's not as simple as that but oftentimes it really is 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 we all we all have these ecosystems inside of us that really help to regulate how we feel about ourselves and our thoughts create those ecosystems and our actions create those ecosystems and our beliefs create those ecosystems if that makes sense like these and they're often really complex because when you think about how that ecosystem got created in the very first place, you have to go back in this in this man's case, and really probably most of our cases to your childhood. Right. And so he grew up in a home where he didn't have hardly any connection with his parents, almost none, hmm. which was, and then the connection that he did have wasn't good, hmm. which just creates this, crazy amount of anxiety right Right. and then disconnection and then it creates all these lies about who you are and a lot because your parents feed you those lies and people around you feed you lies and then you come up with your own assumptions too right like if i was if i was good my parents would want me around they would connect to me they would want to be with me or you know if i was cool kids would like me like they'd want to hang out with me. And so the, all these conclusions that you're drawing before you even conscious, before you even aware that you're drawing these conclusions Mm -hmm. are happening inside of you. And so what he, what he believed when he was a kid is that nobody wanted to be around him Hmm. and that something's wrong with him. Are you sorry to interrupt, but I think like, are you saying that, you know, I think of a family, maybe like the system, right? Like yeah. the system that you were on, like you, you're either trending one way or the other. Yeah. And some of us, or most of us are, are on one of those trains. Are we going up or down? Yeah. And, and that guy, he was. Well, yeah. And we're going to talk about, so I'm building a platform for yeah. what decides whether you okay. are up or yeah. down. Sorry. Okay. I didn't make that yeah, super no, clear. No, it's good. So for him, we know that he's on that downward trajectory yeah. of depression. Right. right. But why right. is the real question. And, and this is what we want guys to ask themselves. Like, well, if you are, if you're taking that path mm-hmm. of fear, right. of depression, of anxiety, right? So like that downward, like spiral or, or maybe trajectory is a better way to say it. Okay. That down, yeah. downward trajectory, instead of like the other one is like hope, um, purpose, yeah. um, freedom, like that would be the up, upward trajectory. So if you're on that downward trajectory, well, why? Hmm. Because no one just wakes up in the morning and goes, I think I'll feel depressed today. Right, no. no. I think I hate my life. Right. Well, that downward trajectory is triggered by something. Mm-hmm. And and maybe I should have said this at first, like oftentimes what, what we've done is just tried to medicate that. Right. So we're just trying to go like, well, forget why. Let's just get you out right. through medication, mm-hmm. which I don't think is medication is not horrible. I was on medication for 12 years right. for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And, but again, if you never ever solve the, why were you down in the first place, mm-hmm. then you're always stuck on this medication, mm-hmm. like brain altering medication. Yeah. 
So you haven't solved the problem. You've just medicated the problem. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't solved the original problem, well, then, then that's still causing problems in your life. Just because you feel better doesn't mean that it's, that you are necessarily, that it's not affecting other areas of your life. So in this young man's case, he grows up in a home where his parents aren't super connected to him. They're actually really disconnected. He doesn't have friends at all growing up, hardly at all. Wow. Yeah, doesn't have a good relationship with his brothers and sisters. Uh, I mean, just like super isolated, right? Right. And then on top of that, the relationship that he does have with his parents is all shame-based. And so he never does it good enough. They're always disappointed in him. Um, they always have these unrealistic expectations. So, of course, he has this culture built inside of him that literally says something's wrong with me. Right. There's like... Uh, Something's wrong with me. I can't even remember what's wrong with me, how I got to the spot, why something's wrong. Like, do you know what I mean? Right. And it's one thing to go like, something's wrong with me because I made these really poor choices in my life and and like I made this mess. Right. It's a completely different thing in life to go, people have been telling me my whole life that, I'm bad. They've been treating me bad. They're disconnected from me. And so my only conclusion is I am not, I did something bad. I am something bad. Right. And as we started to unpack this, one thing that he said, he was like, man, sometimes I forget that something's wrong with me. And I get to this spot of like, Oh wow, I may not have depression forever. And then I and then I start feeling better. But it only lasts for like an hour. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're getting that's because you, this shame, right? The shame of shame says I am something wrong. Mm-hmm. Guilt says you did something wrong, right? Like if you were right. to punch me right now, well for starters, it'd be a full on fight. <laughs> and yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like I you wouldn't get away with that. That'd be a nice thumbnail for the yeah. YouTube video. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> but that would be, you know, you'd be guilty. Yeah. You did something wrong. But shame says you are something wrong. And so he's carried, well, I don't want to go there yet. So he gets to this place where every once in a while, when this hopeful thought will come through his mind and he'll go, Maybe, like he went to see the doctor. So we we checked off all these different boxes. When I was working with him, I was like, hey, I want you to go see a psychiatrist that can, because there's lots of different reasons why we deal with depression. And so not just not just your family background or, or the culture inside of you, but sometimes people have imbalances, chemical imbalances, that a vitamin D would be one of those, right? So if you're super deficient in vitamin D, you could have severe depression if you don't sleep well if you jack up your your sleep uh rhythms you can deal with severe depression it's just screws your whole body up Uh, there's lots of different reasons thyroid stuff right Mm -hmm. again can cause severe depression in people women see that a lot when they go through childbirth right they're totally fine they're doing awesome they give birth and then they go into depression or they have a chemical imbalance yeah so it's not super cut and dry. So I just told him in the very beginning, like, hey, let's go on this journey because it's not going to be one thing. 
it's probably going to be a couple things that help us pull you out of here. So let's exercise. So we got him on a good like rhythm routine for exercising. Yeah. And let's go see a psychiatrist and, um, uh, let's go see a, a doctor. So let's take your, your, your blood. Let's actually look and see, you know, are you deficient in vitamin D? Cause you can do a whole lot of work and guess a ton, but man, the, the less guesswork and the more pinpointed you can get to what's really going on. And then of course I'm doing the work for him of like, let's look at your past. Right. Right. And so he, you know, the other day he was like, man, I started to feel really hopeful that medication was going to help me for like, for like two or three hours. I, um, like that feeling of depression lifted mm-hmm. and it, which was really interesting. Right. So I'm thinking, I'm just thinking to myself, like, well, if you can get the depression to lift because you have hope, do you have a chemical imbalance hmm. or do you like, which maybe you do, but here's, here's the, the, maybe the overall thought for me is you have a lot more control over that depression than you think. Right. And then I said, well, what made you feel hopeless again? Like what made you feel depressed again? And he was like, I started to, as soon as I got, as soon as I felt hopeful for like an hour, he was like, I realized it's not going to last. And here's the whole thing, right? Like here's a lot of it is when you, when you've lived with this ecosystem for so long that says anytime you get up, you're going to get knocked down. You are something bad. Um, you are disconnected from this world. People don't mm-hmm. really care for you. Anything good that you do is just eventually going to get broken down, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is that is a cycle. Right. That is a a culture that is a culture of depression and he is on a road that just goes down, right? There's no way out of that. Right. Well, what the heck do you do for that? And a lot of us get into that mode. This isn't about him. This is about men this is about people i mean right. we could be talking to women too this would be equally right. true for women but this is what happens to us right is we get on this path where you start to believe these lies about yourself that you're dumb that you know people don't love you that you you know you're never going to amount to anything and you do that long enough and you can't remember what life was like without that you don't even know that you're doing it. Mm. And eventually what happens is you don't want to try hard. You don't want to try to succeed Mm-mm. because as soon as you succeed, as soon as you try to succeed at something, if you don't believe, if you don't believe that, that you're capable, mm-hmm. then you ultimately believe that you're going to fail. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so anyways, for him, like I started to map out this thing on the board and started to go like, hey, listen, here's actually what's happening to you. And and not that there's nothing else that needs to be fixed, not that you don't need to exercise or not that you don't need to go to the doctor, but here's what's actually happening to you. 
you're in this place where you've created this these pathway of thinking, this belief system about yourself that it basically says, it doesn't matter how hard I try. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I am, I am doomed for failure. And then he makes best friends with guilt and shame. Like he makes his partnership with guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And then anytime he tries to get on that pathway of hope, guilt come or shame comes and says, dude, you better get off this because you're going to get really high up here. You're going to do really good. And then you're going to crash. Yeah. And that's going to hurt super bad. So like with that, it makes me think about um, the anxiety of what possibly might happen. Yeah. Is worse than the depression I've experienced. Yeah. So it's more safe to go. Is Are you saying like it just feels more safe to be depressed maybe than yeah. to not have that? A hundred percent. Yeah. So depression becomes like staying in that depressed mode. Mm-hmm. become safe. Wow. It's like a woman who stays in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I, most people have seen someone who are in a relationship that is really abusive and they don't leave. And you're like, why the frick would you not leave? This guy's like treating you like trash. Right. He's physically abusive. He's emotionally abusive. Well, one, that person got there in the first place because she doesn't feel like she deserves anything better. Right, so she doesn't feel like she has the right to set healthy boundaries mm-hmm. in a relationship. But two, the the misery I know is better than than the hell I don't know. Right. And if you think that your life is doomed to this hell, then I'll pick a lesser misery. Right. Which is familiarity. Right. Um. And so, yeah, for him. And for a lot of people, it's the same, right? Like I started to lay that out to him and I said, dude, here's the thing. Depression has become a really safe place for you. Like you don't actually want to leave it yeah, because you are so convinced that you are going to fail. You're so convinced that you're going to live disconnected your whole life that at least living disconnected without trying to be connected, at least you're not getting rejected. Yeah. So the fear of rejection and the fear of failure becomes these boundary lines, right? Like do whatever you want. Like this is the playing field. Do whatever you want, but you have to stay inside of don't get rejected and don't fail. Right. Well, okay. I can't ever build any stronger relationships because I don't want to be rejected and I can't try anything because I don't want to fail. And when I do try things, I am hounded mm-hmm. with this fear of failure. Right. And I mean, I think to, I mean, it's not celebrated um, to fail. It's not celebrated to have anxiety. Like it makes me think for me, if I'm wanting to try something new, I get anxious, right? I'm yeah. Like, I'm going to, I don't know, learn this new skill. I'm going to try to run this long race, whatever. And I get a bit of anxiety. And if, let's say, I in my mind, I'm thinking, man, if I show another guy that this makes me nervous, I don't look capable. I don't look um, confident I can do this. And so I'd rather think to my, be cool or be disconnected, like you're saying, and be like, oh, that doesn't, I don't need so, that. I don't need it. Like, I don't need to win. No. I don't need people. I don't need to, like, right. I don't need to accomplish anything. Really, I'm just scared. Yeah. 
And but I mean, I think it it's more acceptable to be disconnected than for me to have like a response to what every goal I may have or yeah. get rejected or whatever. It's it's pretty well. I mean, and I, and you know, going back to those stats of like, you know, women tend to uh, they're more diagnosed, you know, that they have depression. Yeah. But suicide rates for men are much higher. Yeah. I And when we we're checking out the suicide rates, because uh, we don't walk around with statistics in our head no. all day long. <laughs> but the suicide rate for men, it was in 2020, was four times higher than women. And when I started to look at, um, so I did a bunch of research. I started to look at like the pressure, the suicide rate and a whole bunch of other things. And one thing that I noticed every single time, like uh, according to the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, men die by suicide 3.63 times more often than women. But then it goes on to say men who experience depression may be less likely to seek help or talk about their feelings, which contribute to the higher suicide rate, right? And then we go, um, difficulties in relationships such as conflict with a spouse or partner can contribute to depression in men. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, men are less likely than women to seek help for relationship problems. So I was researching uh, some of the influences on depression Right, like what's causing depression in men? And it goes, oh, well, men are depressed because their relationships suck, right? If they're having relational problems with their spouse, you know, that can lead to depression. And then it goes on to say, well, but also men are not very likely to reach out for help. Right. And then you go on uh, social isolation, isolation, right, is a major factor for depression in men. Mm. And it goes on to say, um, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, men are less likely than women to seek out uh, support, social support, which can contribute to feelings of loneliness and isolation. So there's this um, uh, study that was done. They found that um, social isolation, so being, being alone inside of yourself is more damaging to you physically, emotionally, mentally, than smoking 11 cigarettes a day. <laughs> like you would yeah. be better off to be a chain smoker than to live in isolation. Wow. Yeah. And so when you start to look at like what is causing all this depression and suicide in men, like when you, when I started to look at it, I'm like, dude, beyond well, maybe the, the origins, a lot of it's coming from their childhood, right? This unresolved trauma, these these uh, messages that parents sent to them not being cared for. But then you look at, okay, what are women doing with that? Hmm. Well, they're reaching out. Right. They're in friend groups. They're, and not all of them, but they're way more likely to reach. My wife is way more likely to reach out to her girlfriends than I am. Yeah. Just by nature. Right. And so men are suffering so much more. And again, I think the, I do think that women are diagnosed with depression way more because men aren't going in. Mm-hmm. How many men want to go to a counseling appointment? How, women are so much more likely to seek counseling than men. Yeah. So it's like, are women really depressed more than men? No, right. but they're not going in. Men aren't going in and they're not reaching out to their friends. What do you feel like this kind of maybe goes a little off track, but is there any strength in a guy 
wanting to like it, it must be tempting right to want to handle something alone and maybe maybe it feels like an adventure it feels like oh i need to show myself i'm capable like yeah what is that well i do think that that's part of it right like i think we love to solve problems yeah um if i stereotype right. men and but more importantly i i think that well, we love to solve problems, but also when we're young, right, we were taught and it was modeled for us to be stoic, to not show emotion, right. that emotion's weak, asking for help is weak. Mm-hmm. And that gets reinforced. I mean, so, so much in sports, it gets reinforced a ton in, in, you know, dating advice. What does a woman want? She wants a man that's confident that's secure and we go okay well what is confident and secure it's like oh you don't have any needs and you don't show any weaknesses <laughs> you're like oh, wow yeah that's really secure right. your inability to show weakness right? right and so all these messages are just have just pointed you know in order to be a man you need to be stoic you need to be self-sufficient mm-hmm. you need to be under control, which under control means no emotion. Right. Uh, right. And so, man, with those, with, with that prescription, who wants to reach out and say like, I don't fit the mold. I'm right. suffering. Right. Somebody come help me. Right. You know, somebody right. come give me a hug. Makes sense. It just feels weak. Right. And it's couldn't be the further, furthest from the truth. Right? right. Like who's the stronger guy, the guy that can really, look at his ego and go like, I'm willing to humble myself and say, I'm, I'm suffering. Right. I'm not doing good. Um, I'm having a hard time or the guy that can't say that. Right. So yeah, I think less, I think less than guys feel like, Ooh, man, I'm depressed. This is an adventure. Let me fix it. <laughs> I think guys are like, I feel like a piece of crap. Yeah. And if I show other men that I feel like a piece of crap, it's a little bit like this. Like there really is survival of the fittest. Like when you look at animals and, and, um, and herd mentalities, like if you are the, a weak animal, a weak male, like in a lot of places you'll get taken out of the pack. Right. Like you are not a benefit to you're, you're just taking. Wow. And so there's something very primal about that. Like, yeah. uh, and I'm not, I, that's obviously not good in humans, but I do think that there is that mentality as like, man, if I'm not a big contributor, then I'm worthless. Wow. So I don't want to show that I don't have anything to contribute. I don't want to show that I need, you know, we would say one of the, one of the, um, um, indicators that you're a man is you, provide more than, than you take. Right. Right. And so sometimes I think that we get into these modes as men where we're like, man, I need something. I, I need, I'm needing more than I'm giving right now. I must be worth worthless, which isn't true. Right. Like God doesn't create worthless people. Right. And of course we go through the seasons where we need. Right. And it's okay. But most of the messages to men, most of the messages geared towards men is you have to be this strong, like physically, mentally, emotionally strong, capable, self-sufficient, stoic, powerful, 
unfallible, right. like human being. Right. And if you're not that, well, don't show it right. because everyone else is going to judge you. You, you mentioned in like a podcast previous that there's something beautiful about survival. Like people knock survival. Yeah. And I, and I think like when you're talking, I'm thinking, oh, I'm either super capable. I'm the boss. I, I can do everything or, you know, nothing, but like to admit that you're depressed or you having some depression, like that feels like a survival part. Yeah, it can be for sure. I think it's a, I do. And I think it's, it's an authentic, Mm. like, so Brene Brown has this definition for authenticity, which is to let go of where you think you should be and embrace where you're really at. Right. So that's her definition for authenticity. And I don't agree with everything that Brene Brown says, um, which I don't agree with everything I say (laughs) five years later. But I do love her definition for that, right? Letting go of where you think you should be and, and grabbing a hold of who you really are. And like, the Bible, I, well, I should say this. When Jesus sent out the 70, he sent them out two by two. Mm-hmm. And he sent them out two by two for the same reason that when Adam when Adam was alone in the garden, just hanging out with God, God was like, man, there's a better, there's something better for you than just being with, with me in the garden. You're still alone. Hmm. Like you need a helpmate. You need a partner. And he needed a partner to do life with. Right. And it's like when Jesus sent out the 70, he sent them out two by two because if a guy falls down, he's got someone else to pick him up. If he's feeling, you know, hopeless, he's got someone else to pour hope into him. I mean, think about the word encourage. The word encourage is like, I impart my courage to you. You don't have it, I'm giving it to you. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you saying like, Tim, you can do this. Yeah. You can move forward. And when I look at like raising healthy children, mm-hmm. so when you grow up in a healthy home, you're taught that you you are not your emotions. You're taught that it's okay to have a bad day. I mean, how many times did my dad look at me and go like, hey, I know that you're doubting yourself right now. I want you to get out there and give it your best. Mm-hmm. And then when I give it my best and I fail, my dad loves me the same as when I try really hard yeah. or when, when I succeed, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I'm taught, the, I'm taught counterculture. In a good home, you're taught counterculture. You're taught like you are not what you produce. Your love, your self-worth is not in what you produce. You produce, you produce because you are loved, mm. not for love, right? right? And you're taught all these like beautiful counter messages. If you're depressed, my dad would come in and be like, hey, what thoughts are you thinking right now? Like, that's not who you are. Let me give you some hope. Let me give you some perspective. And so um so many men are are suffering with depression with anxiety and again there's lots of different sources that we've talked about from your past home life to maybe some chemical imbalances uh things like that um a relationship that isn't working out super well Mm -hmm. can cause that work Uh, so there's another statistic um that was done by 
the the guys who wrote Strength Finder mm-hmm. 2.0. Um, it's the, I think it's the Cliffin Group. Anyways, um, there's this book called Wellbeing that I was reading. And one of their statistics in there was a man who uh, is laid off from work, who's out of work for an extended period of time. That's how they worded it. Yeah. It's that's harder on him than to go through a divorce or a death in the family. So talk about like, okay, so there are some real factors beyond like, maybe you grew up in a good home. Maybe you have a great relationship with your wife and then COVID hits Mm. and you're laid off for an extended period of time. We were designed to accomplish. We were designed to work hard. We were designed to provide right and we talk a lot about that in in our discipleship courses like right. one of the roles of a man is to provide uh i mean really practical things right like a thousand years ago we were hunting and gathering and we were chasing down animals and bringing them home and and there's a, an immense amount of satisfaction in like hey i built that teepee today right. and hey i carved this bowl for you and hey i hunted down this animal and Hey, I went and I, I beat up this, this guy that was trying to intrude our, you know, like we're providing safety, we're providing protection, we're providing sustenance, we're providing shelter. We're, you know, I went to the Creek and I got this water, like a lot of purpose for men is built up in this provision. Right. And if you get laid off for a long period of time and you're not, you're, there's no substitute if you're just like, well, I'm getting a check from the government but you're not doing anything to earn. Okay. Now you're starting You're you've entered back into this cycle of depression. You've literally started it because one of the things that you need as a man in order to feel proud of yourself, hopeful, like you have a future, um, is work is hard work and doing hard work. And so again, like another reason why, guys are really suffering right mm-hmm. now and suffered through COVID and have continued to suffer is, is, you know, it's not just the ecosystem, but you, you can start, you can create a new e- ecosystem, you know, when you are laid off for a long period of time and you don't do anything to get out of that hole. You just have somebody taking care of you. Right. It's like, uh, it's the problem with, with people staying, living at home too long. I was working with another, uh, another guy, Actually, recently, I didn't even think about it till just now. I was on the phone with him, and, and he's in his late 20s, and he still lives at home. And he's like, man, I just don't feel like my life's going on. I'm struggling with depression. And I'm like, dude, of course you're struggling with depression. When you look at what, like, what have you made? Mm-hmm. What have you produced? Even if, even if his living conditions were worse off living on his own, if he had less money to spend, if he was eating worse, he would feel more proud of himself because he's he's building confidence, right? And he's he feels capable uh, that he can, right? And so it's not how much stuff it's not it's not the bed that you're laying in, it's not how good of food you're eating, it's not the amenities that you have. It's like, well, what did you do? You know, what have you done to contribute? Oh, I haven't done anything to contribute. Right. Okay, well, it's hard to feel good about yourself if you're not contributing anything. Right. Yeah, there's this quote um, 
by uh, Alex Hermosi. It says, you don't become confident by shouting affirmations in the mirror, <laughs> but by having a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. Outwork your self-doubt. And I mean, it's that. It's like, man, I woke up at 5.30, went for a run, did some push-ups, um, you know, looked up how to make, you know, money off stocks and you just educate yourself you you look back and you see oh i'm doing i have things i can look back and say i'm going forward i'm trying i'm doing something i want to find that quote because i want to read it again yeah um let's see we have it down here yeah i let it read it again would you yeah you don't become confident by shouting affirmations in the mirror but by having a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are outwork your self-doubt Okay, I love this, especially partnered with the identity message of, right? Like, so there's, truth is always intention. And and that's the problem that people have is when they don't realize like, oh, okay, I'm a son of God, so I don't have to work. Like, I don't have to perform for love. Right. It's like, okay, no, that's true. Lay on your couch for the next year and see how good you feel about yourself. Right. Like, you don't feel good. Yeah. We are, we are God's, we're workmanship, right? Like, ah, it's Ephesians where it talks about Christ created us for good works. Right. We're created for good works in Christ Jesus. There it is. Yes. I worked my way around <laughs> into it. Okay. So which talks about like, we have to work. Right. And I see this a lot in the church. I see this a lot everywhere. I'm mostly just in the church. So not to harp on the church, but that's just where I'm at where people want to feel good about themselves because they say good things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I love this quote so much, right? Like you can shout affirmations all you want. And at first they work. Yeah. Like what you say does create worlds. Yes. But you can only say something over yourself for so long and not put action to it and expect you to believe what you're saying. Right. Like you have to, uh, that, that un what does it say? Uh, stack up undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. So like Mm -hmm. your positive self-talk needs to get you to a place where you take action. Right. When you take action, so confidence, all confidence is built through doing something. Mm -hmm. Like I have confidence because I'm competent. Right. I have confidence because I have done something like this before. And yeah, that's such a good, it really is um, such a great lesson for us that like, man, I see guys make that mistake all the time Mm -hmm. of like, I'm just, you know, I'm doing my affirmations every day. And it's like, well, what else are you doing? What are you doing to to back up what you are saying you're going to do? That's awesome. I mean, another part of I love about it too is, you know, you you're you have proof that you are who you say you are i think the the confidence the connection that you have with yourself right Mm. you're proving it to yourself you're actually um telling yourself i want to do this and then you do it and you do that those micro actions over and over and over and you feel confident you feel connected to yourself you feel like if i say i'm gonna do something i do it yeah like it just feels good as a man to be integrous and say, if I'm going to do something, I do it. 
And if other men know me like that too, I'm like, man, yeah, that feels yeah great. That's something that I want to work yeah. towards. I want my kids to see me that way. I want yeah. my friends to depend on me. Yeah. It makes me capable. It's, it's easy to feel uh, confident and to feel proud of yourself when you are being um, reliable. Right. And when you're coming through mm-hmm. for yourself and for others. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes... It takes, it doesn't take all that self-doubt away because sometimes people just have self-doubt, mm-hmm. but man, it sure starts to stack the deck in your favor, doesn't right. it? There's a really cool quote um, by Adam Lane Smith, which sometimes people are like, I can't believe you're quoting these guys. Don't you know how he lives? Like, I don't know how he lives, but I, I agree with this quote. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, male depression gets treated like female depression and men want to feel capable, competent, respected, and powerful um, over love and acceptance. And it's so true. I think in the context of this, he was talking about like, you can't, you can't just look at a guy and go like, I love you. I accept you. And it has the same exact effect that it has on a woman Hmm. because we have, we have different needs than women have. And that capable, competent, respected, and powerful, it's interesting, like um, the Bible says, husbands, nurture and cherish your wife, and wives, respect your husband, right? Like, it's interesting that what the Bible's telling us to do for a woman is completely different than what it's telling the woman to do to us. And so he's saying like, hey, this is what a woman needs. She needs the nurture and cherish. So that nurture and cherish right there is like the same type of nurture and cherish that you see your wife do to the to a little baby. Right. Like study, know, care for. Mm-hmm. That's how we're supposed to love our wives, right? Right. But then it says like, hey, wives, respect your husbands. Mm. And you're like, it doesn't say wives, nurture and cherish your husband. Because that's not what we ultimately want. I don't want my wife to be like, oh, come here. Let me wipe this thing off you. And yeah, let me, oh, no. let me get you dressed. No. And uh, right. Like right. you're, you're even yeah, going like, like Duh. Yeah. what do you want? You want your wife to treat you like you're capable. Yeah. Like you're competent. You want her to have high expectations of you. And, but you want her to, you want her to respect you. You want her to show her respect mm-hmm. for you. Which isn't like, oh, come here, let me wipe right. this off your face, or uh, hey, 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 don't forget your jacket. Here's your jacket, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and but I do, I think that it, that is true. Like, we have often treated men in a way that makes them feel coddled, yeah, that makes them feel weak, that makes them feel um, instead of makes them feel like among the respected. Wow. So even when I talk to my boys, I'm like, I don't always do this perfect. But I talk to them much different than I talk to my daughter, Edie. So my boys, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to challenge them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to them from a place of greatness, right? I'm going right. to talk to them from the place. I'm going to treat them like a king, right? So I'm going to say like, hey, you're sleeping in bed. It's nine o'clock. Yeah. Like son, you're king. Like wake up early. This is what good men do. Yeah. Wake up early, 
make your bed, right? Like you're trying to, to you're going to treat them way different than, than I'm going to treat my daughter right. and talk to my daughter. And I think that's so true. Like it's very hard to feel respected about yourself when you feel like you're being coddled. Yeah. I think, you know, for me personally, I mean, I'm hearing what you're saying about your sons and I grew up in a single mother mm-hmm. household and I can feel the difference. Like mm-hmm. I can feel, man, I was, you know, mom's, yeah. you know, mom's <laughs> baby. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, every time I, you know, brought some sort of like, you know, this is bothering me. She's like, oh, come here. Oh, let me try, try to like coddle you or comfort you, which, you know, is yeah. good strength. For me. I mean, and you need comfort. Right. But I can see how like it only took me so far. You know, yeah. I, I started to just see myself as vulnerable and soft. And, yeah. And I didn't know if I had what it took. And the world is scary. Yeah. And so like, how did, I mean, your son, Elijah is like, a beast he's a beast <laughs> like we'll, we'll tag his, his yeah. stuff in the description but he like how did i mean i don't know how much you want to take credit but i mean no, I, would, I would say i can't like, take a ton of credit here's the thing so my son just spent um 10 days in ukraine on the front lines like literally wow. on the front lines rescuing people who are trapped and bringing medical aid and food aid uh to civilians and soldiers. And, um, he sent me a video the other day of him pulling out, um, some Ukrainian soldiers, their vehicle was stuck while a helicopter, Ukrainian helicopters above them oh. shooting rockets oh at, God. at the soldiers. Yeah. They're only a hundred yards from the enemy lines, like from the, wow. from the Russian lines. And then another morning he texted me and said, Hey, um, this morning, as soon as we got out of the vehicle, so they have flak jackets on, and um helmets on he said two mortars flew over our heads and you didn't, i didn't know if they're gonna land on us or 50 yards away from us like wow. they're literally in a war zone and um yeah i th- there's just a ton that's contributed to i think my my boys coming to a place where they want to be men of purpose and I will say, I mean, I know I didn't do it perfect because of whatever. I mean, having kids so young is probably, honestly, it's probably the biggest reason. I had Elijah when I was 19. So, you know, my wife was pregnant at 18 with him. But, I mean, I feel like what I did the best is model it. Mm. And when he was three years old, I would take him to to cut firewood with me, and I'd let him run the chainsaw with me. (laughs) And I'm not advocating for the guys <laughs> to do that, but that's what I did for a living. Yeah. And I would take them to um, run the drip torch with me when we were um, burning slash units and stuff. And I just, it's like, you have to do both, right? Like, it's not that you don't nurture. Like I spend tons of time nurturing my boys when they're young mm-hmm. and when they get hurt, I mean, like I'm, I'm holding them, right. you know? That's not weakness and, and I'm loving on them. And then I'm giving them the, the message like, okay, you need to get up, get back up and do that. Like mm-hmm. we can't let fear slow us down. We can't let fear hold us back. And then they have a great example in my dad, right? Like the work ethic, well, my mom too. Work ethic in our family was everything. Loyalty and work ethic. Mm-hmm. So my dad's dad 
used to, uh, my dad's grandpa used to say, a man is only worth what he can work. Now, <laughs> I, I don't, he wasn't saved. Yeah. And that's old school, right? right? Like, he's only worth what he can work. My dad, when I was young, when I was probably eight or nine, I remember going into Burger King and there was an employee there um, sweeping. And then the employee stopped and he was leaning up against his room, literally. And he was just kind of looking around. I remember this to this day. My dad said, you see that guy right there? I was like, yeah. He said, you see what he's doing? I'm like, yeah. He said, don't ever do that. When you work, you need to work. Mm. You, don't, you don't need to stop. Yeah. You know, and he wasn't saying don't take a 10 minute break. No. He was saying, be efficient, no. work hard. And then he would tell me stories about him working on the farm with his grandpa. And like, this is the culture that my wow. kids are growing up in. They're growing up in this, you know, I, I started working when I was really young for my dad. My parents never made the mistake of mixing up my identity with what I could produce. Mm. But they never allowed me to escape my responsibility as a man. That's good. And we rip ourselves off when we don't when we don't hold each other to our responsibility, which goes back into, you know, I want to, I want to bring this full circle. Yeah. There's lots of reasons why guys are struggling with depression today. Lots of reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think men, the first place that they should check is what was your childhood like? What are your core beliefs about you? Mm -hmm. Because no amount of medication is going to change your core belief about you. Right. It's just not. Wow. So if you have this core belief about you that, that's fear-based and shame-based, then you are on that pathway that I talked about Yeah. to start. Right. And there's no amount of medication that's going to fix that, no. right? Which I'm not saying don't take medication. I'm saying it's not going to ultimately fix it. That's not the ultimate fix. Right. You have to go in and do work with God, with other men, with yourself to fix that core belief. Yeah. Maybe do some counseling, to go back, forgive your mom and dad. Okay, now you're still gonna have to risk and build relationships with people mm -hmm. and build confidence. You're gonna have to take risks yeah. to get on that other path, right? That pathway of hope, yeah. that pathway of failure and success, because you can't s separate failure and success. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you're gonna have to take risks. Yeah. So uh, for a lot of men, in order to break out of depression where they feel like my life sucks, it's, it's worthless, um, you're going to have to be willing to risk rejection, mm. to risk failure. And that's where relationships come in, real relationships. Uh, where, I mean, there's so many guys that, that I watch them fail and know that failure is not final. Yeah, It's like, whatever, dude. Welcome to the club. Mm -hmm. Let's not stay there. Right. And I think... The, Moving on from that too, like, man, does anybody know where you're at? So that's the next question I'd be asking guys. Like, okay, what's your core beliefs about you? Next, next phase, like next category. Does anybody really know you and mm. understand you? Mm. And, and is anybody there for you? <clears throat> so if your marriage is in a hard time, who's there for you? If you feel weak, as a man, who's there for you? If you feel confused about your identity, and I'm not talking gender confusion, but maybe so, I don't really care. Like who's there for you? Who's helping you? 
if you are struggling with negative thoughts and negative thoughts, like who, who knows you, who's there for you? And if the answer is nobody, you got to fix that. Mm. And you're like, well, I don't know anybody. I'm like, yeah, you have to fix that. You can't live on your own by yourself and expect that you're not going to be depressed. You are. That It's a simple math equation. Most of life is a math equation. It's like isolate yourself, live inside of yourself, don't connect with other people, you're going to be depressed. Yeah. It's, it's a certainty. And so I'm like, okay, join a men's group. Well, you got a million excuses why you don't want to join a men's group. Those are all just excuses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unless you, unless you force yourself to push through those excuses, and those excuses are, are valid, some of them, you know, oh, guys aren't great at doing a relationship. That's true. Some of them aren't. I might get rejected. Probably will. Probably will a few times. Uh, guys never call me back. I've tried it before. Yep, that's going to happen to you again. Mm-hmm. But you're going to come to a point where guys do call you back. And you're going to come to a point where uh, guys want to hang out with you. And you're going to come to a point where you understand that you can handle rejection, that you can handle failure, right? That you can handle disappointing somebody, that you can have a hard conversation. And, and eventually you work yourself to a place where you, you like the life that you're in. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, that's the most important thing is when you, you know, the next category is like, okay, do you like being in your shoes? Mm-hmm. And if you don't like waking up in your shoes, why? What are all the reasons why? Mm-hmm. And sitting down, you're like, well, it's depressing to think about it. Well, it's depressing to not think about it too. Yeah. Because you're going to be depressed. Why don't you like living in your shoes? Why don't you want to get out of bed? I remember um, during that season, I told you about in 2015 and 16, my dad um, had was helping me write a, a, um, manual. It's, um, it's called emotional prosperity. When he wasn't actually doing any of the writing, he was just like, Hey, I think that you should, I think that you should write a counseling manual. You're great at counseling. You get asked all the time, like, how do you do it? And, um, so we had agreed, like I had agreed to him, like, okay, I'll do it. Well, like six months went by and he's like, Hey, how's that manual coming? I was like, Oh, I started it, but I haven't done anything since. Mm. And I made some excuses and he was like, okay, cool. Well, like a year goes by, right? And he goes, hey, how's that manual going? I remember he came into my office and he's like, how's that manual going? <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I haven't done anything since the last time we talked. And he was really frustrated. He was like, son, why haven't you done anything on it? Mm. I was like, I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell him. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then as he started asking me questions, I heard this come out of, out of my mouth. Like, I feel like, I feel like people, my friends are going to read it and then they're going to like, it's not going to be right. And I'm going to be wrong. Like I'm going to be fake. And he was like, Oh, I didn't know that that's what was holding me back. That's why I asked people like, why are you miserable in your shoes? Like sometimes you have to do some research. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, he said, I said, I'm almost done with it. I just haven't done anything beyond this point. And he said, okay, let's send it to, let's send it to the best guy that we know in the, in the emotional health counseling world. Yeah. So we sent it to this guy named Mark 
And Mark has like 92 degrees. No, he's got a lot though. And he read it. And my dad wrote like, hey, my son wrote this. Please don't, like, please read it. And like, don't write back and just say it's good because that's what right. we want to hear. Like, please tear it apart. You know, we don't want to go through with it if it's not actually sound. Mm-hmm. And I was secretly hoping, I was hoping so much that he'd write back and be like, yeah, I wouldn't publish any of this stuff. <laughs> and he writes back and he goes, this is phenomenal. I love this. Like your son's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> and then I had to push through that fear. Yeah. But that was caught. That was, so that was a piece of the misery. That was a piece of the depression I was living in is like, oh, and I haven't even followed through with what I told my dad. And I haven't followed through because I don't even know that I'm doing the right things and I don't even know that anybody's going to want, right? I had to face that fear. Mm-hmm. And guys, that we have to get out of this place of living inside of our fears alone and get to get in front of somebody who's going to push you, wow. who's not going to be okay with those, who's going to call you to a higher place. And if you don't do that, then you just stay in your bed and you stay depressed and you don't want to show up to work. And ultimately I remember one other time in that season where my dad came into my office and he basically said, Hey, I would fire you if you weren't my son. Whoa. And I said, I would fire me. <laughs> oh God. If I wasn't, wow. Like, I don't want to be here. And I remember having this really honest conversation with him. I don't want to be here. Wow. I don't like it. I don't love where I'm at. This is, this is just my (laughs) life. This is how, and he wasn't angry with me. He was saying like, you don't show up on time. You don't put in your full effort. Like Mm -hmm. you're not finishing stuff that you start. What are you doing? And I was just like, I freaking hate it here. I hate what I'm doing. Blah, blah. And that was all that season. Yeah. Right. And ultimately I had to put it on me. I had to realize like, this is on me. Mm. This isn't on my circumstances. This is on me. Yeah. Like I need to take action in my life so that I can feel proud of me. I'm not proud of me. I don't come to work on time. I don't uh, show up to the meetings I'm supposed to show up to. I don't follow through with the stuff I'm supposed to. I'm not at home working after hours to better myself, to become more knowledgeable about the work I'm doing. Like I'm just doing the bare minimum to get by. Dang. Yeah. I've had so many honest, hard yeah. conversations, but it's like, those are the men I value in my life. It's that kind of conversation that makes me go like, you're right. I don't love where I'm at. Right. Okay. What am I going to do? What you're going to do, Jay, is you're going to start solving this mm-hmm. and you're going to solve this multiple ways. That's what, I think it was that conversation that spurred me to call Cheryl wow. and be like, Hey, yeah, something's wrong. She's mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're depressed. Yeah. Well, why am I depressed? I'm depressed because I'm not taking action. Like I had to solve the problem. I had to build a team around me. Mm-hmm. I realized like, I don't like working alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Build a team around you. I don't like going to all these meetings. Okay, well, which ones do you have to and which ones do you not have to? Right. And how can you change your perspective about that? Oh, I finished the manual. You know, like mm-hmm. set aside time to, like I had to start doing things that brought me life, although at first they didn't feel life-giving, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be at home studying stuff to learn. Yeah. That doesn't feel life-giving. But if I suffer today, it's like I'm putting in time, right? Like I don't want to go to the gym and lift weights. No. It's like, well, I also don't want to feel fat. <laughs> so I noticed over time right. I feel better about myself when I go to the gym. Right. And same thing with my life. Like I don't want to connect to guys 
and reach out and get help and go to a counselor and have hard conversations with my dad, I also don't want to feel like crap. No. So I'm going to suffer today to, in order to have a life that I really like. And ultimately that's the story, right? Like that's the story, uh, for me of, it's the same thing I'm doing with this guy that I started with. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to do a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to exercise. You're going to go to, to a, a psychiatrist, uh, we're, I'm going to have meetings with you and your wife, which we're doing. Uh, we're going to look at the way where you, how you were born, how your parents yeah. saw you. I mean, we're going to do the full thing yeah. and I don't care what, what, I don't care which Avenue works. Mm-mm. We're going to do all of it. Yeah. And he's like, I'm in, I don't want to, I don't like it. It's not fun. Well, who cares what's fun? Well, and I think you're, like I, I think of the, you know, people are doing ice baths. That's the the biggest thing right yeah. now, right? Like you wake up five thirty in the morning, yeah. jump in, and it's like twenty degrees outside, yeah. whatever. And it's that like I don't want to do this, but I know that this thing is actually going to put me on the right trajectory. Yeah, and because you're already suffering, why not choose a suffering that is actually proven to yeah. actually get you out of long-term suffering, out yeah. of this depression. Yeah. Build a life that you love, you know, and, and do that. You do that like one misery at a time. Right. And like facing one fear at a time, mm-hmm. growing in comp- competency, being becoming proud of yourself, you know. Um, in all of us, like, again, I think you can really get overwhelmed. That's why I'm like, hey, yeah. just take it one piece at a time. Do a little bit of research at a time on your life and start working yourself into a place that you really love mm. and, and get out of, you know, quit blaming depression on these circumstances. Even if you have uh, a chemical imbalance or even if you have like, um, you know, uh, blood work done, like great. You still have to do things in life that bring you life. Yes. It's still not an excuse. And I've had all those things. Like it's yeah. still not an excuse to stay idle to, to stay stuck, to stay in bed and, and sleep your life away. So Tim, would you pray for the guys? Yeah. Um, Jesus, I just pray for every man that is experiencing just sadness, depression, um, maybe even just lack of confidence. And I just pray that you speak, um, your love and acceptance over them. Mm -hmm. And I pray that you surround them um, with other men to actually build them up. And I pray that you put co- courage inside of them as well to reach out and, and to have hope for the future. Um, I'm just so thankful, God, that what you've done in Jay's life and my life and, and you can do it again in these men's lives. So, yeah, we just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Have a great week. Stay brave. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Brave Co. Podcast. If you like this podcast, would you please rate it, review it, leave us a great comment. And if you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and family. That helps us to spread the word. Guys, stay brave. We'll see you next week.